Hey, welcome back to What's Your Favorite Scary Movie. I'm Verona. I'm Sarah. Today, I am so excited. We're starting our Scream series, starting with the first one, obviously, Scream 1996, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, and this is one of my favorite horror franchises of all time, so I'm very excited. And it's kind of like our namesake, too. What's Your Favorite Scary Movie, finally doing a Scream episode. It is. Yay. Okay. Let's just um, jump right in, I guess. I was saying this last night when it first started with, obviously, the amazing Drew Barrymore answering the phone. That scene is so tense, and I can't imagine being an audience member in, like, 1996 opening night, watching this for the first time, having no fucking clue what it's about. The line that always gets me, even to this day, that I just think would be so crazy to see in theaters then when they're on the phone, obviously, <laughs> Ghostface says, I want to know who I'm looking at. And it goes like silent. Oh my God. I feel like that would just go crazy in a theater, like in 1996 for the very first time. Because it still gets me today. It's chilling. And like the, again, I'm just, I've, I guess, become a sound design girl. But th- like you said, the silence, the way everything just kind of fades out for like that one second. Ugh. Ugh. So fucking good. Like, I obviously know how iconic and good the Scream movies are. I never shut up about them. But watching it again, every time I rewatch it, I am just like in awe the entire time because I'm like, no, like this movie really is like as good as I believe it is. And it leaves me speechless every single time. And it is so iconic. I put this in my review when we finished rewatching it yesterday afternoon or yesterday evening. I put in my review, I was like, you know, as much as like the horror community can argue back and forth about whether it's like self-congratulating or if it actually is like so genius that it can't be argued about. Regardless, it, it just as like its own movie as a horror movie, not as like a cultural thing, it still stands up very well, even though at its core, it's kind of like a culmination of all of the slashers it's still its own good movie that's i think a critique i see people use a lot when they're trying to explain that like the scream movies are overrated is that they say that um i know i just like triggered you with that word but oh that's like actually so not i know you guys love that tunnel but not maybe while mama's recording are you gonna stay still oh um so and now there's an airplane. That's fine. Can you just get out of the tunnel while Mom is recording? He's just staring at me menacingly. Um, regardless of the fact that like it is this culmination of the entire slasher subgenre, it um, kind of all a lot of the slashers are. Of course, like slashers have done creative things and created their own, like carved out all their own little niches and their own little like cool things. But Scream wasn't like the first one to be mixing different elements together because like they all kind of did that. The whole slasher genre is very like, it's like a weird little community of always borrowing from each other and like tributing to each other in different little ways. Scream wasn't the first slasher to use concepts from other slashers, whether we're talking about in a parodying way or not. Exactly that. I also think what makes Scream so dynamic and different than the other ones is the characters. And it's not even just in this one Scream movie, it's like pretty much every single Scream movie makes their characters so likable that you don't want anything to happen to them. And it's just that much more devastating when it does, but also that much like better when it does, because then you actually care about the characters and what's happening to them versus like, sorry, when I watch or like any of those types of movies, I kind of do not care about the characters and I'm more just there like, okay, another death. But with Scream, I'm like, no, I want all of them to live. You don't understand. (laughs) These are all my friends. And it's funny that you say that specifically that you like don't really get the chance to care about the characters or you just don't, there's not much there for you to care about because they obviously, they mention that exact trope in the Scream movies as we go through the franchise. And additionally, like that's, um, that's a super common reason that people who dislike the genre use to talk about horror movies not just slashers they usually are talking about all horror movies when they say like you don't even care about the characters it's just like about this and this and i'm like i mean that's not true of horror as a whole those movies that exist like that exist like that for a reason 
and it's part of their fun and their charm. The slasher that has the characters that are kind of one-sided and like you don't really care about the same way, those have their place and they're like, in my opinion, they're a lot of fun. I really do like movies like that. But it was refreshing to me with Scream for it to be that genre where you are used to kind of not having layered characters in that way and then having them be like these really complex whole people where you could see any one of them in any scenario or any scene or have any conversation and it would be dynamic and real because they are a whole person as opposed to a walking trope. A handful of tropes in a trench coat. Like you said though, like a lot of those movies have their time and place and I understand them. Which is why I will never fully, no matter how much I dislike a horror movie, I will never fully like write it off because I'm like, I understand. Like Halloween, it is not personally my thing. As much as I talk shit about it, it is just not my thing. And I never actually talk shit. It's I more just say like, that's not for me. And I'm very, yeah, I'm more drawn to Scream. That's my chosen slasher. So you know me and my, my trivia. So my trivia for this movie is that after this movie premiered, caller ID subscriptions in the United States tripled over the following weeks, which could be related or could not be related. But this movie obviously was... I like to think that it had a big influence on it. Absolutely think it did. Same way that like Jaws had like an impact on the whole like shark scare and like low beach attendance after that. It absolutely did. And you know what? Scream is that bitch and will always be that bitch. People try so hard to discredit Scream for like whatever fucking reason, but I'm like, I don't care if you like it or if you don't like it. You cannot deny the impact that it has. The first movie alone has been parodied so many fucking times that I saw Scream and other things before I actually even watched Scream. The first time I saw it, obviously, was Scary Movie. I watched that before I watched Scream, and that's what made me want to watch Scream was (laughs) seeing that movie but also just like in random tv shows and movies they'd throw little one-liners in from scream or referencing scream or something but you know it's been parodied so many times for a reason because it's iconic and it's already a parody technically of other slashers so to like parody a parody is just like you have to be that bitch for that to happen something that you specifically pointed out was the incorporation of movies with this Um, Because again, it's been parodied so many times, which I just can't imagine any better flattery than to be like one of the most parodied horror movies. When people think about horror movies, they think about Scream. It's just so cool. I think that's one of the reasons why of like all of the critiques that I see of it. Because again, I don't care if you didn't like this movie. That's, I didn't write the movie. Can't really be too personally offended if you don't like it because I liked it. But I, I like when people can critique something in like a conscious, like well thought out way. I always prefer that. I talk to you every time we go to watch like some of our favorite horror YouTubers or like watch videos. Sometimes I'll say like, oh, this person did not like this movie that we love, but I don't mind listening to them explain why because they have thought about their answer. One, The one critique I always get really frustrated with this is that it's trying to like over intellectualize itself. I think one of the reasons I don't like that is because I don't think this movie is overly intellectual at all. Let alone do I, I don't think this movie thinks that it is. Like I, I think that just because the concept is smart. I don't think it's overly played out or overly smart. I've watched a lot of like overly intellectual movies in my life and I've liked some of them and I've hated some of them. I, I The concept is smart. It is smart. It's a good concept, but it's very snappy and basic and simple. It's just like, it's it's to the point. It doesn't hold your hand through it, but it doesn't need to because it's, there's nothing about this to not get. It I, Over intellectual just doesn't seem like the right way to describe this. There's nothing pretentious about this, despite the fact that it is a little bit, I guess, you could say self-congratulatory in the way that like it's aware that it's doing something smart when it's doing it. It's kind of like pleased with itself. You could tell, but it's not like smug. It's a very good like baseline introductory horror for so many people. It's very easy for people to get into and enjoy. I think sometimes people don't like to have things explained to them. And this movie does explain a lot of things. People, like you said, it's a good baseline. It's a good intro horror for like literally anyone, in my opinion, for a number of reasons. I don't think like people like to have things explained to them especially if they already know them so I can see how it kind of like a little more defensive feeling you wouldn't have a good time watching this because you're thinking like well I already know this like I don't I don't like this because I already know this and I don't want this explained to me and it's like I'll, I'll just consider it like a revisit of the lesson and enjoy it hashtag the lesson legacy yeah I also I'm not crazy about things being explained to me when I already know them but I do not care when it comes to horror movies 
I'm like very, I'm very happy to have the same shit I already know thrown back at me repeated because that I just love the genre so much. And the entire point of this movie is that it explains exactly to you what it's happening and what it's doing because it's explaining what other horror movies do while being a horror movie. The whole point of it is them constantly, Sydney is constantly saying like, this isn't a fucking movie, it's real life. And they're like, don't you see like everything's a movie? Kind of tongue in cheek because like it is a movie, but like in their world, it's not. It is very meta where it's, it's a horror movie about horror movies explaining what they do in horror movies while they do those exact things. Anyway, that is why we are Randy Meeks, Kirby Reed girlies till the end of time. Absolutely. Well, just kind of everyone in this movie, but specifically them, yeah. I love Randy getting up in the middle of the party scene and being like, you don't know the fucking rules? And then just like going off and listing them. Like, it's such an icon like scene. And it's funny that it's like something that pisses people off so much to the point where they're like, well, now you're just like, now you're doing too much. Now you're making it into like a snarky little thing. And I'm like, it's not supposed to be snarky or smug. It's just, it's supposed to be like celebratory and fun. Should we walk through it from the beginning? Yeah. Yes. So we have Casey. That was um kind of crazy with how, like, when you watch, like, old documentaries about this movie, I wish that I'd been sentient at the time because they the way that they marketed Drew Barrymore for this movie and then swapped it out and were like, just kidding, like, very um psycho of them, which is, again, another movie that they always pay tribute to. It could go either way. You could either go into the movie and then see that happen in the beginning of the movie where they kill Casey off so quickly and think, oh, just like in Psycho, and then think going forward, this is now going to bring up a lot of different horror movies. Or you could go into it without any spoilers, but with the knowledge that it's like a horror movie about horror movies, and then see Casey and think, oh no, this is gonna go like Psycho. I don't think that either one of those options is gonna be less devastating as like a moviegoer to see it for the first time, especially in a theater. I think especially like at the time, killing off the biggest star of the movie within the first like 10 minutes is so fucking crazy. Like I know that this has been talked about, discussed, picked over a billion times. Obviously we're fucking almost 30 years too late over this, but like that is just so fucking iconic. That's all I can say about this movie constantly is it's so iconic. Can't imagine going into that theater being like a Drew Barrymore stan ready to like watch her newest movie being like holy fuck. Like she's in the poster, she's in the press, she's red carpets, like she's there for everything. So you're like fuck yeah, like this is her new movie. So excited to go support my girl uh, for a full hour and a half and then you get like 10 minutes and you're like what the- are you- she's dead? Dead dead? dead dead and then the whole time they're probably like no she's gonna come back she's gonna come back somehow and then it's like no she's she's dead like that's killing off your biggest star of the movie what an ambitious move and it fucking paid off and still pays off almost 30 years later when you watch it so other slashers at the time had already done kind of the idea of an opening kill in the way that um they would for context start the movie off quite early again not all slashers were doing this either but some would start with showing you contextualizing kill to get you into the movie and then give you a little more backstory and whatnot scream really all of the scream movies making this a common thing for them has really like the joke now like the scream six stuff that we're waiting on that's all coming out every day here it comes out i think at this point it's 18 days out um so yeah at the time of recording this we're still 18 days out from scream six but um when people were talking about it and we were all like looking at the casting and stuff and um a lot of people are like oh there's this shot of in the trailer of samara weaving in the alley on a phone do you guys think open and kill and like the official scream account posted like a ballot like an oscar ballot that says like to make like super bowl bets they did this on super bowl weekend they were like um who do you guys think is first kill second kill like make your bets like let's start like a betting pool and i was like it's just funny because that they they really have like a formula to these movies and a formula gets old if you don't have something else happening again the last franchise that we just finished was the saw franchise the saw franchise has a pretty obvious formula to it but there's always the plot a and plot B. They can have a continual storyline running alongside the formula that, you know, keeps it fresh and keeps you, like, going with all of them. Um, to be honest, the Scream movies don't have anything else. They have the formula and they just keep doing the formula. They're just so good at it that it doesn't really matter that they just keep doing the formula because every movie stands out. Everyone has an opinion on every movie that varies 
so wildly from movie to movie. It's easy to do a ranking on this, not because, you know, some are bad and some are good or whatever. Of course, like for personal reasons, it could be tough to rank them. But in terms of like making a ranking list, you don't think like, oh, this one and this one are kind of like eh, the same. I could put them like here together. Like every movie is so distinct from its predecessor but they are the all the exact same formula. Exactly that. And it's not like a formula that you get tired of. It's not like, I love Final Destination. But that is a formula that's very repetitive, as we know. We know exactly what's going to happen each part. And that works for that movie. But for Scream, the formula, even though it's the same, feels so wildly different in every single one. And like you said, it's because they're all so distinct from each other. They all have something so different about them. And that's kind of what I love. And I really hate when people are like that just makes it too like predictable that blah, blah, blah. I'm like well one the point of the screen movies is they are meant to be predictable starting with this one obviously you immediately know the fucking killer is Billy Loomis but it does that good thing where it makes you wonder like is it actually are they making it too obvious on purpose so that like am I profiling him <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's true. They make the killers obvious on purpose so that you're like, it can't be them then. But then you have to remember, this is a Scream movie. It absolutely can be them. And it is. It's so funny to me because like you said earlier, you said something about how they they make a, a joke at the end about how this isn't a movie, this is real life, but where it's funny to us as the audience because we're watching it as a movie. But to yeah. these characters, it's their real world, it's their real life. The thing is, like, you see these characters, like, make it so clear that they've got some terrible intentions or they're doing, like, just the shadiest shit. And in your head, you're like, well, I'm watching a horror movie, that's, like, stupid. It wouldn't be them, that's so obvious. It's like, do you know how red flags in real life work? What do you mean all these red flags is too obvious? Like, girl, you are looking at a serial killer. It's You're not being red herringed in real life, okay? Just get the hell away from that man. Listen, maybe if your life were like a horror movie, you would have seen the red flags beforehand. <laughs> I'm talking mostly to myself. If I watched some of the stupid shit that I let people do to me over my life as a movie, I'd be I'd be Randy Meeks up on the couch screaming at the screen being like, you dumb bitch, like get out of here. Exactly oh that. God. Exactly that. Because that's something that we have to remember. And I think that a lot of us forget when we're watching movies is that it's a movie to us, but to these characters, it's supposed to be their real life. It's supposed to be their real life cut and condensed into bits. We're missing the bits in between. They live full lives throughout this hour and a half that we're watching them. They live days, years, depending how long this movie spans. They're living that. So they don't see just these flashes of, you know, like we do. They don't see these flashes of like obvious signs. I was thinking this when I was going through the stuff from um, when we spoke about Barbarian and how everyone's like, who saw it was like, oh my god, and I can't believe he saw like an even creepier basement and he went down there. I'm like, I would do that because I don't live in a horror movie and I, I have the logic and the understanding that like, no, there's not a fucking monster down there because I live in real life. I don't live in a horror movie. I'm gonna just go into the basement. I'm gonna put my little flashlight on. I'm gonna go into the basement because the worst thing that's gonna be down there is gonna be like a rat. And that's how these people are processing. I mean, of course, like some people have fears instilled in them because of horror movies, but like the logical part of my brain is like, even when you, you know, you're scared at night because you watch so many horror movies and you're laying there and you're like, okay, be fucking logical. There's no demon like hiding under my bed coming out to get me. Exactly. And that's, I think that's a big reason why people misunderstand it. Of course, when you watch a movie, you're aware that you're watching characters, but you don't take into account that these characters had lives before this movie. They have lives within this movie that we don't see. Movies are meant to just be a little snapshot, a little cut up the fun bits. It's not meant to showcase everything, which is why Okay, I'm not gonna get into it again. I would love to talk for a hot second about Gale Weathers. Absolutely. We love Gale Weathers. Gale Weathers, the love of my life. I love that, as we said, as you said rather, this is a snapshot. So I like the context of these characters knowing each other from outside of the confines of the movie. Some of them meeting for the first time in the movie, obviously, like we have like Gale and Dewey and stuff like that. But for the most part, like they have these like rich backstories. And I love the idea that Gale and Sydney have this rivalry already. When, when Sydney's mom was, was assaulted and killed, she was a witness in the case and she had this man Cotton Weary, who we see again, put in jail, basically, with her testimony. And he's on death row. And Gail was like on his side, she didn't believe, she believed that he was wrongly accused. And so she kind of takes his side on things. And so her and Sydney have this huge rivalry, obviously. Gail and Sydney's like slow burn friendship in this series is like one of, it's 
truly like my my favorite thing about my favorite dynamic I guess long-running dynamic between the characters Gail and Sydney specifically have like something just very special to me because we have to think about it at this point it has been a year almost since uh Sydney's mom's death and so that means for a year her and Gail have been like back and forth at it and that's why it gets to this boiling point where Sydney punches her in the face finally. I mean, I couldn't imagine one being like 17 and having your mother just brutally killed and then having this grown fucking woman like harassing you for like a year, like finally get to that point where she just snaps. Then we kind of see them, we see the beginning of them resolving this in this movie. And, you know, like we said, it spans throughout the series. It's very rocky, back and forth, but I, I, I genuinely, love their dynamic too so much um and i love what it becomes i was gonna say i really like i i forget what an infant nev campbell is in this movie <laughs> she's yeah. so young they're all so young um also it's tiny. crazy because we've been watching through riverdale with a friend of ours who has never seen it we've been re-watching it and um that obviously he has uh skeet ulrich in it he's much older now like he's he's a whole grown man um and so i'm used to seeing him like that and also the scream movie that i spent years and years and years re-watching and still do occasionally is um Scream 4. Scream 4 is like probably one of I think it's like my favorite. I will figure out the rankings when we're done though but I love Scream 4 um unpopular opinion. I never have the right opinions about franchise rankings <laughs> but obviously in Scream 4 um Sydney Nev Campbell's older in that movie as well. She's an adult um and so that's the image of her that I am used to and what I think of when I think of Sydney because of, that's the movie I've watched the most times. So then always to go back and watch the first like three screen movies is always such a, a weird moment because she's such a little baby. It's so special first one. My meow meow, genuinely. My oh, I love her. little meow meow. I love her. My cinnamon apple, the love of my life. Um, oh, and the same with David Arquette and Courtney Cox as well. Obviously, looks so much younger. Courtney Cox ages like so gracefully. Like she's so she still looks so young. So hers is almost less less startling to go back and watch the first scream. She's obviously younger in the first scream movie, but her character's already an adult as well. So like she's kind of you know she's already an adult. Um, David Arquette as well, but he's he has such a little baby face. But even in like the later scream movies, he never he never doesn't have a baby face. He never like stops looking like that. So. Especially does in this one, and I really love that they drive the point home so much that he's so childish in this one. Like, my favorite example is when he's talking to the sheriff, and the sheriff is smoking the cigarette, and he's eating his little ice cream cone, and, like, the sheriff, like, stomps the cigarette out, and he, like, looks down and, like, looks at his ice cream cone like he's about to do it, and then he, like, stops, <laughs> and he just, like, like, it's so good. I love him so much, but I really love that they do kind of play up on that because it shows, like, how young and innocent all of them are when they first are dealing with this ghost face. And then we see now, almost 30 years later, they're still going through it with the fifth movie. Um, And, like, they don't want another set of, like, children to have to lose their innocence and their childhood as much as they did another character that i really want to talk about is tatum in so many horror movies we will see movies in general but especially in horror movies we will see the protagonist's best friend being like a horrible friend to them like in some way or another and i love this one so much because it does the exact opposite tatum is ride or die for sydney literally like constantly she is going to bat for her anytime someone is like trying to interrogate her about Sydney she's like so defensive of Sydney like she loves her like that's her best friend and like it's just so sweet and like she's always there for Sydney and like one of my favorite little moments is <laughs> in the kitchen after she sleeps over and they're like watching the news about like Sydney's mom getting brutally murdered a year ago there's like a moment where Tatum just like grabs her hand and like looks at her thing about that is that she's also like she's not the sweetheart character no yeah Tatum's not like the girl next door best friend and that's why she's so sweet with Sydney she's like snarky she's sexy she has like she's like cheerleader she has like the uh, you know giant hulking hot boyfriend and she's like she's all like she argues with him she argues with their friends like she's not she gives her boyfriend shit about like his exes like she's she's very dynamic like she's sweet with Sydney because she loves Sydney it's not because she's that's who her character is because like you said these these aren't tropes stacked on top of each other in a trench coat these are real whole human beings which is just very nice that's what I really wish that we saw 
more out of this franchise was grieving Tatum because like not only is this Sydney's best friend this is Dewey's little sister and we don't see any mention of her except for in Scream 5 there's an urn on Dewey's mantle that we assume is Tatum which is really fucking upsetting Um, we'll get there when we get there yeah Tatum is just so charismatic like she has so much life and she but she also doesn't overpower sydney and like again a way that a lot of horror best friends do the most prominent example i can think of is like i know what you did last summer with sarah michelle geller's character where she is just so dynamic that you're like i wish she survived instead i wish she was still alive so much because like as much as i wish that tatum was still alive it's not in like a way that i wish she had replaced sydney i just love these characters and i love the way they interact even if some of them do kill the other ones. Even if that interaction involves a knife. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, this is just speculation in my own personal feelings. But I feel like the reason why Stu didn't kill Tatum and it was Billy that did it is because Stu genuinely did care for Tatum to some degree. That moment where Randy and Stu are coming up the house, like rushing Sydney, and she doesn't know who's who. And Stu's just like, he killed my Tatum. He acted his ass off in that scene too. It was so chilling. That's one of the things where I said like this movie movie really does stand up that scene seeing it for the first time and not knowing what happens in the movie is a good scene and it's fine and you're like oh no who was it but seeing it on a rewatch is so chilling it's chilling in a way when you because you know what happens i think it's scarier on a rewatch than it is to begin with i like to imagine that billy killed tatum out of jealousy because Stu and (laughs) billy are in love obviously (laughs) this isn't even like a personal theory at this point because matthew lillard and skeet Ulrich themselves have confirmed that yes, Stu and Billy are in love. Can't call me crazy or delusional or gay washing or anything because they're already gay. What's the name of the actor that played, um, who, who's the guy that played Brett Weston Wallace in? John Deppner. Fuck on your bitch like I'm Hefner. He was, um, he was in the same, like he was right and they tried to silence him. <laughs> he said it to like 17 people in an Instagram live. Boom, fired. Same with the guy who played, uh, Tommy in Stranger Things. He said that he played who, you know, uh, Steve's little bitch boy before Steve ditches them when he's still popular. He said that he played Tommy as being in love with Steve. Um, And I just really love that dynamic so much. Thank you to every actor who does that. Like, I owe you my life. Actors that play their character as having a crush on another character without it ever being explicit, that's the best subtext. It makes everything so much better. It so does. I really love that in this movie, especially. But yeah, I think that's why Billy kills Tatum. And especially in such like a brutal way. I mean, all the deaths in this are technically brutal, but this is like a very brutal way. And it's not in like a crime of passion way, like the way that Stu killing Casey is, where it's like stabbing and then strangling and then like gutting, which I think is very personal. Um, And because he has that passion there with Casey being his ex, or in the way that Billy or Stu try to kill Sydney, because we know they both have crushes on her, apparently. So it's not like a up close and personal like he's trying to kill her in that way it's very distant he kills her with the garage and yeah we can say that's out of circumstance it's slow and it's like about suffering more than about like it's about fear and suffering as opposed to like just rage like unbridled rage which is like you said what we see with Casey and Stu yeah exactly that it's very like other it's like he's not touching her the only time he touches her is when he grabs her arm to cut her but if he really wanted to make it personal and like kill her he could have just walked up to where she was in the garage and just like stabbed her in the back and like stabbed her a bunch. So I like to believe that Billy killed Tatum out of jealousy. Also same with like the way that they try to kill Randy or the way that they try to kill Gail or Dewey. It's like shooting them or kicking them or just something not as hands-on, not as personal. It's quick and impersonal, yeah. Yeah, so that's why I have reason to believe it's for those reasons. <laughs> I have my tinfoil hat on here. It looks very nice. I love the use of Don't Fear the Reaper in this movie. I know it is such a big discourse about whether it's overused in horror or whatever. I personally am team Don't Fear the Reaper in horror. I just think... One, it's such a good omen, especially in slashers. But two, it's a classic for a reason. It's overdone for a reason. I don't believe it's overdone. Every time I hear it, I'm so delighted because I'm like, fuck yeah, this just feels very, one, I love the song, but two, it just feels very like, it feels like a horror movie in that way to me. Um, And I really love the use of the slowed down version in this one. 
like using the acoustic version while Billy and Sydney are making out on her bed because he is the reefer. It feels like a welcome home in horror movies. Like it's in this, it's in Halloween, it's in X. It's in so many different movies spanning literally decades. This movie's ending and it's set up for the sequel is crazy because this is like one of the first times that we didn't end on like a cliffhanger to set up for a sequel. Like they wrapped this up very neatly and then they still managed to pull a sequel out multiple sequels now we're now waiting on six but they managed to pull out a sequel that felt bigger and better and scary and just as good as the original and then it was able to continue using those themes of like discussions about movies and like talking about movies and like that kind of meta almost awareness that they're in one but not quite and they were able to make it about horror sequels which is just like I love it and then of course the third one being about trilogies horror trilogies um and then onward like always having the theme go with what the movie is in the series like that's built in perfect formula which is just everything about that is very genius to me exactly and the love for movies has to be in the scream movie or else it's not a scream movie it is not a scream movie without the love and acknowledgement of other movies before it um which i love that they still carried it on in the fifth one because i was worried because sometimes i'm like are we are we just rebooting the franchise just for sake of banking on nostalgia or are we actually rebooting it because we understand it and thankfully the fifth one understood it as much as i am excited for the sixth one and how good it looks i am scared that it might lose it might lose that a little bit i know i get nervous about it too but i also think i've, I've been going so back and forth about it i think um oh like we're gonna do it bigger better in a new city in a real place etc i think that that does very much tie in to the concept of trying to keep it fresh and trying to freshen it up and maybe doing too much and maybe going too far and i think that that's still a good theme that they could then make a screen movie about that's true i'm not letting myself be worried but that's true i also think the fact that since they are going to be in college it might kind of mirror scream 2 and like the film class because we know mindy especially is a very big film row and i love her so i hope that they have kind of a callback to scream 2 with with like a little film class discussion in this one that would be great that would be enough for me i know it's gonna be a good movie i know it is but i'm just like i i just i so don't know what to expect that it's like like more than usual i knew what to expect with scream 5 and i got what i expected of course i was like surprised and like it, it surprised me and it was new and whatever but like i knew what to expect and i got it and i was happy about it that's her off yeah yeah exactly also with the absence of sydney i know Everyone hates that. I also hate it, but I also am kind of okay with it because I'm like, that means she gets a break for once. She's happy and she's safe and she doesn't have to deal with this. And my little meow meow deserves that. I think there's something really interesting to be said about the fact that movies that cause so much discussion and movies that it's it's always horror franchises. Anyone that like kind of is able to like start a discussion like this and have the fans be so intense. Um, it's kind of neat because it gives them the opportunity to like really just, I mean, do whatever they want, but then not not have to worry about being obvious or not obvious enough or too weird or like just the right amount of weird. They really, it almost feels like they just don't have to worry because the overthinking and the confusion is built in to our brains already. We are already going, it can't be that because that's too obvious. But if it's too obvious, then maybe it's like doubling back and it's so obvious that it has to be the thing because they're gonna try and make us feel stupid for saying it's too obvious. But then what if they're not? Because then they're gonna be like, that was too obvious and you should have like thought about that better. Like we, we'll just work ourselves into like a fucking tizzy over these exactly. movies without them doing anything. They don't have to say or do anything. And we are already like freaking out, double thinking, arguing with our own brains. Very little effort required on their part, which is just great for them. And like so smart of them actually, because they could do literally anything and then it would work because they can explain it in some way that it ties back into the theme of movies and horror movies in general. Like the only real downside to that is that I've taken what I've got, whatever mental illness that is that I got from Scream that causes that level of self-doubt. The problem with that mindset though is that I've now taken that into other stuff that's of a different caliber, like a lower quality of media. Um, and I've taken that mindset in and then just been disappointed every single time because it actually is just as stupid as it says it is. It's 
exactly what it says on the can when I'm watching something. And then I'm like, but what if this is actually so genius and they're playing the long game and they're doing this? And like, they're not. I also kind of like that, that like I've done that in a way because now, even if it's so obvious in my face, like something, like I will still get so excited at the end of it. Like watching something where I'm, cause I kind of like push everything out of my mind and like, don't let myself have like theories or anything anymore. And I just watch it for what it is. And then I get so surprised at the end. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, is this how like everyone watches movies? This is so fucking smart. A big difference between like having thoughts while you're watching a movie and being like, oh, I wonder if that means something versus like desperately being like, I have to know what happens before it happens. Like I have to figure it out before it happens or I did the movie wrong. Like it's, you don't have to like stress yourself out over it. I was just thinking they, there's like, again, this is now 18 days out that we're recording this from Scream 6 premiering. Currently the the hot thing on Scream Twitter is there is somebody going around posting spoilers about some of it. And I know what I don't know the spoilers. Like I didn't I, I saw them and I went past them, but I know what the spoilers entail. Um in terms of like what I mean I know what, what the spoilers are about. The spoilers are about who the the like the revealer. Of, yeah. That's what's being spoiled. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about like who dies um or like any like who's gonna show up or anything. It just says who the, the reveal is. As I saw it I know it's just a partial reveal because I know it starts off with we don't know blank but blank like so I know that we don't know everything about whatever yeah so I, I don't understand I'm not sure like obviously where the leak came from where the spoilers came from whatever but that's the thing that people are doing right now and they're going around and finding people tweeting about scream and replying with it um like from bots and stuff so it's just like been a whole thing everyone's like turning off their replies I don't want to see the spoilers but something that people had talked about especially like when the big Marvel movies were coming out like the end game and like whatever the hell else and like the creators were getting on Twitter and being like if you spoil this movie like you're a bad person blah blah, blah which like true don't be an asshole but it started raising this discussion of like of course you don't want the movie to be spoiled for you because you want to get to feel all the emotions that the writers and like the directors and the actors have set out for you like you want the journey that they tried to make for you but at the same time if the movie is not good because you know what happens in it then it's probably just like not really a good movie if the whole point of your movie is just building up to startle someone maybe you didn't make the best story if Scream 6 were to be spoiled for me before I see it my disappointment would come from the fact that like I didn't get to experience it the way that it was set out for me to experience it I'm not gonna be like oh well now it's ruined for me because yeah. like, I wanted I wanted to figure it out and now I don't get to like I don't care it's not that's not the point of the movies the movies are still good because they're well made like they're good movies it was a good discussion to be had about spoilers after that Marvel thing happened it started making people talk about quality of movies and what could spoil a movie for someone um, a lot of movies that we deem like these perfect great movies are actually um, they have one moment in them the reveal is what makes them great and nothing else about them and that's like oh it's like an interesting line of thought actually is yeah because there's several movies if a movie is dependent on just one part of it that can be the best part of the movie too yeah and it can outshine the movie that part but if that's the only thing about your movie that's good then and especially if it's only good the first time you see it if it's only good in the context of not knowing and then it's you know it and then it's ruined for you forever and you try to rewatch it and you're like oh this just does not pack the same punch as it did because like the scream movies i know every beat of them i know every single thing that's gonna happen they are ingrained in my brain i know what scene's gonna happen next what move the character's gonna do i know all of that and yet i'm still having so much fun watching them rewatching them every single time because there are genuinely good movies that hold up. I was happy to rewatch it because I like to watch the characters do things. I know what they're gonna do and I know when they're gonna do it and I know their motives and I do know that that coffee cup that's in that shot and then not in the next shot is a continuity error. Like there's you can't teach me anything about this movie anymore but it's good. It doesn't matter if somebody spoiled this movie for me before I saw it. I know that it's a good movie. I'm gonna enjoy it and that's how I feel about Scream 6 as well genuinely. I think that when it god forbid knock on wood, if I get spoiled before I go to my screening of it. I'm sure I'm gonna have an incredible time watching it regardless, so. Absolutely. Cause like I said, I had seen Scary Movie and like a billion other parodies of Scream before I actually watched Scream. And yet I was still so delighted seeing the Stu and Billy reveal for the first time because I was like, oh my God, like I knew that's what was gonna happen, but like, oh, it's just so good. And even now when I watch it, I'm like so excited for it. Cause I'm like, it's such a good reveal. And I have one thing to say about <laughs> the theories that people 
have because I thought this is the theory you were going to mention earlier. I fucking despise with so much genuine hate in my heart Sydney as Ghostface. That is just completely writing off her character and who she is. But it makes me so angry because it's like you're not paying attention to her character at all. And they love to like take these little things out of context and be like, well, she looks like she really enjoyed killing or she put on the Ghostface costume and blah, blah, blah. And like once she put it on to turn the tables on them to freak them out for once to scare them because they went from being the hunters to the hunted and she only will ever kill to protect herself and protect the people that she loves and to protect anyone else from this happening to them ever again she has nothing in her that wants to kill and we see that throughout the series she is so distraught over having to kill anyone over going through this tragedy over going through these repeated tragedies and Sydney is just such a tragic character I can't wait to talk about that in the second one and by writing her off that way you are doing such a disservice to her character she is the ultimate final girl for a reason it hurts her to kill people that have hurt her she's a sympathetic character she's a loving person and she's tried to distance herself more than once from the whole situation and even when in like Scream 4 when we see that she's kind of capitalizing on it because she wrote the book she wrote the book to like help other people with the mind Mindset of being constantly hurt to like get away from that mindset like even when she's profiting from what has happened to her it's still like putting distance between herself and the narrative that she's like connected to these tragedies and she's so tragic and like everything's so sad like she's really trying uh, the only way that I can I would see her as a ghost face would be to kill other ghost faces people would be like that's such a good twist no that's lazy writing that is so lazy that is so overdone that is what is expected of Scream and not in the way where they like purposely do the expected that is so lazy and expected that's like a second grader ending their creative writing with and it was all a dream that's exactly what that is <laughs> that would be the spoiler that would be the only thing that mattered in the movie if that happened that would be the moment where it's like oh you spoiled it because the movie was was just this there was just this this is all that we had of this for this movie we had this one thing here it is it's been spoiled therefore the movie is nothing exactly in fact the franchise is nothing this is what it all i was about to, to say Game it over, would rewrite the entire franchise in such a horrible way and i think they know that and that's why they will never go that route i also don't think that neve herself would ever go that route because she knows sydney she knows who sydney is more than any of us do and she knows that that's not who sydney is and not sydney never wants to cause harm to other people it's so frustrating especially because it's not like she's been targeted by random people she's been targeted by the people closest to her the people that she trusts the most the people that she loves the most she's been targeted by people who know her or by people who think they know her through a weird parasocial relationship. She knew what that did to her life as a young teenager. She would never want to then inflict that onto anyone else, especially another group of random teenagers, because why would Sydney just start killing a random group of teenagers? Okay. Let's talk about Stu. Let's talk about Stu. My baby boy. I love Matthew Lillard so fucking much. Like, he's so incredible especially as Stu like no one who could have played Stu better than Matthew Lillard and I don't think Stu would have been as likable of a character had anyone besides Matthew Lillard played him I will say we were robbed of the stab universe Stu Mocker being Vince Vaughn I do think Vince Vaughn could have made Stu Mocker just as good but that's just a that's a personal bias but it, he is a Matthew Lillard character Matthew Lillard really brought something very unique and special to the table with that character I also love the Vince it's fun casting uh and i wish that they had actually made a stab movie so that we could have seen him because that would have been incredible love the stab shirt yes i want to see vince vaughn do it now please i can suspend belief and pretend he's supposed to be a 17 year old that's fine we can do it let's do it freaky style because as we see with the um yeah don't make that face at me that was weird wording i know that <laughs> i meant the movie freaky <laughs> where he plays a 17-year-old girl. Um, yeah, that face was also um, at Freaky because- What a movie. We could do a stab movie. And we can use Vince Vaughn because the stab movies, as we see in, like, as the screen movies go on, they made, like, a bajillion of them and they just get weirder and weirder and weirder. And I said, if they've already done one, like, in space and they've already done, like, this and this, we could do the multiverse one that would inevitably have to happen where we can have Stumacher as, like, very older, like, a 
grown man and we can use Vince Vaughn. Since we all love the theory that Stu Mocker is still alive, in the Stab movies, if they won't bring him back in the Scream movies, we'll bring him back in the Stab movies, but we'll have Vince Vaughn playing him. You know, I have to tell you, by the way, um, I personally, I would be so excited for a Stu Mocker, like, reveal in Scream 6. Like, I, I love Stu and I think it would be a, I would be totally down with that twist of, of bringing him back. I've made a lot of new mutuals with all of the Scream 6 news and excitement over the last, like, little while. Um, all of my Scream mutuals, every single one of them, except for you, is, like, a staunch hater of the idea of bringing Stu back. And they're, like, <laughs> they're, like, everyone who wants Stu Mocker to come back is, like, delusional and stupid and, like, that's a bad idea and it wouldn't even be good. And I keep reading the tweets and being, like, I respect you. You're, you're entitled to your opinion. You're a great mutual. But, like, I know, I was, like, I know someone who is going to, like, die if she sees any of these tweets that I'm seeing on my time. I'm not one of those like Stu has to be alive people I'm just like if it happens would love that I also fully understand if they never want to go that direction ever again because I do kind of agree would be a little too late but there are ways around it to make it work I also don't think you can do a Stu mocker reveal without Sydney because that's integral to it I think if they are going to do it they should wait a long time like they did with like the new Halloween trilogy and make it like a final like done end of the series entirely Sydney kills the final ghost face she doesn't die that's another theory I hate I really hate the well they should both kill each other at the same time like and I'm like no Sydney's the ultimate final girl she's unkillable she is not going to be killed and she's not going to be a killer either way. But yeah, I'm not one of those people that's like, he has to be alive. But I'm like, I, I'm inclined to, you and we're the same. Yeah, and we are in the same camp, I think, when it comes to a lot of scream related stuff. Like, um, I remember talking about after four, I was like, well, we didn't like, we know that if we don't see the, the body, then the person's not a confirmed kill and that's like a, that's the canon of these movies so I was like obviously Kirby Reed has to come back like obviously Kirby Reed has to come back and people are like that's so stupid blah blah, blah. and then Scream 5 came and went and she was nowhere to be seen and I was like oh no except so we had the easter egg the easter egg saying that she's still alive and I was like the easter egg there it doesn't feel like an easter egg to me where they were doing a fan service where they were like don't worry she actually is alive you guys were right but she's like doing her thing I was like she has to be in Scream 6 which as we know she is I, I don't have genuinely and I think it's because of my fear of looking like an asshole and looking stupid and I this is again where I I never want to like have a, a public guess or a, a theory and it started with me saying I don't want to do that publicly because I don't ever want to like look dumb but it actually became such an internalized thing where I now like I don't theorize about anything and so when we talk about like oh Stu Mocker like let's do Stu Mocker, um, it's more of a wish list than a theory. Like, I'm not thinking like, oh, but I think he's going to come back. It's like, I would love if he came back. And that's also, I don't know how I, I still have mixed feelings about the idea of a Kirby ghost face. I've gone really like hard back and forth about it. Because unlike Sydney, that's a character I can see having a different psychological reaction and a different motive. And I, who knows what the motive would be and whatever. That's another one where I'm like, that would be cool. If that happened, I wouldn't be mad. But it's not a theory. No, I'm the same way. I'm never gonna be like this is exactly what's gonna happen this besides the things that i'm very hard no on <laughs> which is sydney pertaining to sydney always i'm not in in the camp or out of the camp i'm visiting the campsite i also quite like the the fact that they did like have sydney have sex in the movie we're thinking about the rule about how you can never have sex and that's why you like you you won't be a victim if you never have sex randy also makes a joke about it um about surviving his his murder attempt because he's like oh i was i'm so grateful that i'm a virgin i think that it was like it's so obvious that that was for the audience to be like oh now sydney might be next because she like had sex she lost her virginity um i think it's also like a little nod more importantly to the fact that um billy has these very antiquated views of sex like he's like the perfect misogynist in this in the way that he feels like entitled to have sex with her because he's been such a good boyfriend he's like been there for her and he's like you have to get over your mom dying it's been a year which is so funny a year, funny. A year. <laughs> and he's like you have to get over it and like we have to have sex like you're my girlfriend and then additionally he thinks that her mother 
deserved being raped and murdered because she was a whore and her being a whore like ruined his life. It's like he pushes and pushes Sydney and then is like, okay, she had sex, like she's unpure, she can go now. Like this is, now I can, I can obviously kill her now. Having sex was her idea. She comes to him and she's like, oh, this is the time I'm ready, like let's go. And it's like, he just kind of is so, he was already gonna kill her, but he's so cool with just like, oh, well now like now she deserves it. Now she gave me exactly what I asked her for, which makes her useless and like a whore and like a bad person. So it's fine anyway. Cause he would have gotten mad had she not slept with him before. He's mad that she did sleep with him now. Either way, I think Randy said it best when he called him a homo repressed mama's boy. Cause in the kitchen they talk about it when Sydney's like, fuck you. And then Billy's like, no, 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 we already played that game. You lost. Like, I love that line. Like it all ties back into it where he thinks of it as a game. Not only taking her virginity as a game, but he thinks of the whole killing just like as a game in general. I'm glad that you brought that line up because I totally forgot about that, but it does chill me every time. It's so cold. Like what a, cr it's so cruel. I think that's why the first movie kind of hits the hardest out of all of them is the fact that this is someone who Sydney loved and trusted doing it to her. Like not only Billy, who is her boyfriend, but Stu, who is one of her friends, who was her best friend's boyfriend. Like it's two people that she deeply trusts a year after her mother dies. She doesn't know that they're the ones who did it, but like, goddamn. Another line I just really love is earlier in the video store when Randy's talking to Stu. I love their whole conversation, that whole scene of them in the video store actually, but specifically when Stu's like, well, like, why would he kill his girlfriend? And Randy's like, there's always some bullshit reason to kill your girlfriend. And then like the gayest scene of all time happens. Stu and Billy literally sandwich Randy. No, and it's, it is, it's a pretty homoerotically charged scene. No, but like you also did make a good point in that where you were like, oh, they're like propositioning him. Like that never occurred to me. You're so right. They probably were trying to get him cool with it and like bring him in as a third ghost face because not only is that another alibi for them, that is another person helping them carry out these crimes. Like it was like they were just like, they already had their whole plan and their plan was airtight. They didn't like necessarily need anyone else, but it was like, it felt to me like they were like picking his brain a little bit, like seeing how cool he was how he would react to the idea. Like almost an insurance policy. And if he didn't react well, you know, like that, they back off. They were like, oh, we're just like fucking with you, man. Like, see you later. But like, you know, just trying to like suss it out. I'm very excited to do Scream 2 actually, because I have so much to say on Scream 2, because uh, we have differing opinions about the ghost face in that one. And I'm so excited to talk about it. Literally every time I rewatch Scream 2, it jumps higher up my list. Like it used to be my least favorite. I know, same. And then I kept rewatching it and I was like, fuck this is just like really well done actually the really unfortunate thing is that as it jumps higher it's, it's pushing scream 5 actually lower for me and i know that scream 5 is a really high one for you but like it just yeah every scream 2 is like it's it's a thing i've got i've always have bad ranking charts we can't rank it because this is the first one but it's how does it sit for me this will always be number one for me the first one will always be number one like no matter what that spot is not moving which is crazy because for years scream 3 was my favorite and like nothing was touching it and then i rewatched the first one again as i was watching all of them and i was like Fuck, no, this one. It ranks high on mine as well, but um, I'm just, I'm such a non-purist when it comes to horror that like oftentimes, even if something is the, the blueprint, I'm like, but I like to sequel better. So like, boop. I understand. I just don't think anything will ever beat the first one because in terms of ghost face, in terms of the characters, in terms of such a good jumping off point. You and I sound like talking about um, the scream movies and the sequels and how like you're like the first one will always be the best one for me and I'm like no I think like maybe a sequel it sounds just like the conversation that they have in scream 2 about sequels so I'm very excited to watch that um, exactly watch that up next I think that wraps up our thoughts on scream at least for the time being again we could probably talk about this for a pretty long time our link tree is WYFSM it has links to all of our socials our personal socials as well as the socials for the podcast and also links to the places that you can listen to the podcast. Next week, we're going to be discussing Scream 2, which is one of my favorites in the franchise, along with Verona. And in the meantime, you can check us out on Twitter, which is WYFSM Podcast. We will see you guys next week. Thank you.